Welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special, very merry, happy holidays, a Play on Nerds 2021 special. If that wasn't wordy enough for you, I don't know what is. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jarman. <laughs> and I'm your other Yuletide host, Steve. And we are here to co-host the living hell out of this. That's right. And bring in the new year soon and uh, talk about some holiday movies, some nerdy news and all the stuff you love from a Play on Nerds. That's right. That's right. We're going to put jingle bells behind this whole thing. <laughs> jingle bells right up in there. Just all over the place. <laughs> so, uh, Steve, what are you doing for the holidays? What's going on with you? Uh, well, Ann and I are staying quiet and local. We uh, are going to go up and spend a few days beforehand with Anna's mom, about an hour north of us, and then come home and have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day just here at the house. Just us and the kids. Very nice. Very fun. Is that like going to be one of your first Christmases where it's just you and the kids for Christmas Eve and Christmas morning? Uh, maybe. I think we maybe did it last year as well. But this is the first year that Dilly is, you know, like excited and walking and stuff. So it's going to be a very different experience. The little year. one. Yes, that's true. Yeah, he's, he's one and a half and just just gigantic. <laughs> really? <laughs> he's so big. He's in the 97th percentile for height. He's a beast. He's a bowman. He is a Bauman. <laughs> That's amazing. And he follows the same pathway that his sister did, which is that he'll get a big poochy tummy and then he will just expand rapidly over the course of two days. <laughs> two days. Just and then he up. builds out the tummy again and then expands <laughs> rapidly over two days. <laughs> I wish I could still do that. And like my tummy meant something better was going to happen soon. I'd be a thousand feet tall. <laughs> exactly. It'd be great. <laughs> What about you? What are you up to for the holiday? <laughs> well, it's my one of my first years um, encountering the unique problem of very much enjoying my girlfriend's family. And she very mm -hmm. much enjoys my family and they, and they like me and, and my parents like her. And so it's negotiating the holidays gets difficult, as you probably know, with, you know, your married life family. Uh, just wait till you have kids. It gets even more difficult. Yeah, because you start your own family. And so especially because her family lives two hours away from us here in Florida. So, you know, there's no excuse for us not to fly across you know, the country or something like that. So we're navigating it and trying to like switch off every year. So this year I'll be spending the time leading up to Christmas with my, my parents and my sister who's coming into town with her baby um, and her and her husband's coming in as well. And then Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, we'll spend uh, with her parents and her sister uh, down in the uh, southern part of Florida. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's going to be fun to be negotiating the family politics and stuff. But I, I want to see everybody as much as possible. And now that lockdown is not as bad as it was. I mean, I'm in Florida. It's so, like we never had a lockdown. It's terrible um so <laughs> but we can actually see it's funny because i'm looking at the notes from our last year's christmas special oh man it's talking about the lockdown in that one um how oh, man we were talking we about were how so we were doing then. during the lockdown it's just crazy that's still going on this crap and covid and ugh, it's just and now we're on to omicron omicron and all so sorts of variants <laughs> and good times oh yeah it's just great so it's gonna be an interesting holiday but we're almost back to normalcy almost Almost there. That's right. But yeah, right sure. now we have some. 
It's time for Nerdy News. <laughs> yeah. Always love hearing that jingle. That's right. So I like doing these kind of rundowns if we missed some time on the Play on Nerds podcast. And this came out just recently. Last month was the big Disney Plus Day, they're calling it. Instead of Disney Day, like they used to call our D23 was a big thing. I think it was called. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh but we'll just kind of hint at there's a lot of stuff they announced that's kind of tertiary, but we'll hit we'll just mainly do the Marvel and Lucasfilm stuff that's coming out. Yeah, which it is, hit me. It's pretty exciting. And a lot of you probably know about some of this stuff, but some of it's more niche and very it's almost like they're expanding too much and doing too much. But we'll see. So we currently have Hawkeye uh, on on TV right now. The fifth episode just aired when this podcast is being recorded and the six will be out soon. That's the end of that series. I think there won't be a sequel or anything like that, I don't believe. Um, but that's doing very well. I've enjoyed it so far. I don't know if you've been able to watch. Oh yeah. I've enjoyed it as well. Yeah. It's a very, it's kind of lighthearted and it's set during Christmas. So it's appropriate for this time of year and it's fun. And I didn't know anything about this character, but Moon Knight, um, had a little tiny teaser trailer that was played. You can find online and that's starring Oscar Isaac of also Star Wars fame. So he's double dipping into the Disney family there. And he's kind of this weird kind of Batman-esque figure, but kind of like Deadpool because he's weird and he has multiple identities that live inside him at the same time. And he gets the powers of this ancient Egyptian god as well. Uh, so it's very complicated backstory of this guy. But he's I've seen some of the training scenes Oscar Isaac has done like while he's doing training for the martial arts. And it's nuts. So it looks interesting. Have you heard anything about it or interested? No, I think that we're coming into an era of Marvel where the big ones are gone and now they have to work really hard to get us to care about characters that no one really knows. And I'm going to see how many characters actually emerge that we actually care about. Yeah. And I think they kind of made a mistake of putting their Netflix characters to the wayside, whether they wanted to or not because of licensing because daredevil and um, Luke cage and stuff are pretty good, solid characters that Punisher they has a big following. Punisher, yeah. Like they could have, especially, and then, um, what's his face didn't do as well, but the, the martial arts guy. Oh, iron fist was I, such a, <sighs> such a sack of crap. It was kind of a letdown, but the character is very popular in the comics. So they could have re- done something better with that, but I hope they bring some of those characters back into the fold. And there's a lot of talk of, um, daredevil coming back and stuff in the series. So we'll see about that. Um, and then something probably the most excited I'm for is She-Hulk, which is coming out soon mm-hmm. because I love Tatiana Maslany as Orphan Black in that show. She was fantastic. She played so many different characters as one actress. So it was amazing. So that character is also interesting. She's a, she's a lawyer and there's a small preview as well with her, Mark Ruffalo. And apparently the abomination played by Tim Roth will be back in that series. So that's so he does look a little bit different. Yeah, he does. Because he was also in Shang-Chi. It's in the trailer, too, briefly, but you see him a little better in the movie. Um, He looks a little different, but better than he did before. So that's good. Yes. And then we have Miss Marvel uh, or Ms. Marvel, uh, which is Kamala Khan and a 16-year-old Pakistani-American from New Jersey or from Jersey City. Excuse me. She's an aspiring artist, an avid gamer and a voracious fan fiction scribe. She's a huge fan of the Avengers and one in particular, Captain Marvel. But Kamala has always struggled to find her place in the world. That is until she gets superpowers like the hero she's always looked up to. And it's a um, a Middle Eastern character for once. And she also I think in, she has stretchy powers, isn't it? With yeah, that's, from what I can tell from like the, the concept art and stuff I've seen. Yeah, she's got stretchy powers. Yeah, I think she's in one of the Marvel games recently. And you can play as her. And she's like, you know, like Mr. Fantastic kind of like 
you know, expando arms and stuff. So that's kind of cool. And then if you've been watching Hawkeye, uh, this is not a spoiler or anything, but there's a character called Echo. Um, and she's now apparently getting her own series. And uh, kind she's kind of an anti hero, would be my guess. Probably. Yeah. And she's in Hawkeye, but also she has like, um, she kind of can mock anyone's movements, kind of like Taskmaster was supposed to be in the uh, Black Widow movie. Um, but mm-hmm. she's deaf, which is kind of cool. And I'm not sure if the actress herself is deaf as well, but that would be cool. Because there was another deaf actress who played a deaf character in um, the uh, Eternals. Eternals. So that's yeah. pretty cool. She was also in the, um, the Walking Dead. She's very good in that show. Then we have Ironheart, a series starring Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams, a genius inventor who creates the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. And I think in the comics, she was kind of like a protege to Iron Man, but that's going to be a little different now since he's already gone. Mm -hmm. Um, But nothing more about that. There's not a teaser or anything yet. And then we have Agatha House of Harkness, which will have Catherine Hahn returning to be her character from WandaVision as Agatha Harkness. That's probably the one I'm most excited about. Because she's so great of an actress. She's just fantastic. Um, and what, where will they go with that? Because I think WandaVision probably had to be one of the most successful shows they've had so far. Um, oh, yeah. WandaVision. I, I think Loki is probably the most successful. That's true. I didn't think about with that. WandaVision pulling up in a close second. And Loki tied so much into what they're doing in the future of the universe like directly. yeah loki was was priming the pump for for the multiverse and it was a fantastic series um and then what was originally years and years ago going to be a movie is now going to be a series which is secret invasion uh which is a series starring sam jackson as nick fury um and ben mendelson as a scroll guy who's a shapeshifter and uh the crossover comic event series showcases a fiction of a frac- faction of the shape-shifting scrolls who have been infiltrating Earth for years. So that'll be interesting. Straight from the comics. That happened a lot in the comics, apparently. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they have for that is a small clip of Nick Fury turning toward the camera with no... Uh, His eyes all messed up. Yeah, he's got no eye patch. He's got like a scraggly beard, too, if I remember yeah, correctly. it looks interesting. And then we have the Gardens of the Galaxy holiday special, I guess coming out next Christmas. Uh, we know nothing about, really, but it's another James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy special, I guess. And one of the weirdest things I saw here is they have X-Men 97. Yeah, they're they're bringing back the animated show from the late 90s. <laughs> but with new episodes. <laughs> but it's going to be the same animation style. Um, a lot of the new original animators will be back. And they're just continuing the story as if it's still in the 90s. <laughs> just What a weird concept. It's so weird. But the, I mean, they're scratching the, that nostalgia itch. So oh, yeah. It. And that series was loved by all. That's how I got most of my Marvel knowledge was from that show. It's just it had everything. So what's coming from Star Wars? Well, just quick last mentions. What if season two going to be coming out? Spider-Man freshman year, which apparently is a prequel series for our current Spider-Man, but it's animated. Uh, okay. I am an I am Groot animated shorts. And then something I don't think is necessary at all, which is Marvel Zombies, which is a spinoff of the What If series just for Marvel Zombies. Eh, that's all I need. So those are the, the last little mentions there, which are far off. But for Lucasfilm, something I'm very excited about is Willow. They're making a new Willow series. Yeah, they are. Uh, just a continuation of the, of the story. And there's only like a little behind the scenes meet the cast thing that so was, far. That was adorable. It was thing. really funny. <laughs> I just freaking love uh, Warwick Davis. He's so funny. I mean, yeah, the comedic angle they took with that whole thing is great. Hey, you took seen a- the movie Willow? No, who's in it? I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and then we have Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course, been talked about for years now. And it's finally, you know, being filmed and taking shape, but nothing from that yet. Um, and of course, there's the Boba Fett series coming out soon. 
there's doing a documentary of the legacy of Boba Fett under the helmet, which mm. will be talking about how that character came to be. That's a little much for me. And there's like Rogue Squadron series we think coming and also and Ahsoka series coming. I think a few too many series coming for Star Wars. They need to focus in. But there is a Taika Waititi movie coming, an unnamed Taika Waititi Star Wars movie. So that one would be good, probably. I'll stick around for that. Yes. So, Same. yeah. So that, and in related uh, Marvel news, you recently just tonight saw uh, the Spider-Man movie that came out. So yeah, with no spoilers, Spider-Man, of no course. All right. So I'm going to do my absolute best to keep spoilers out of this, not just for audience, but for Jarman, who has not seen it. Correct. I'll um, be very angry with you. <laughs> so uh, 9.5 out of 10. Damn. Second only to Endgame. Mm. Uh, genuine surprises. The best character and emotional development in any Marvel venture ever. Damn. Um, huge stakes. I'm trying to think of what's shown in the, in the trailer that I can at least talk to. Um, Dr. Strange is present, but it's not his movie. Right. Which is good because he's got his own thing coming. And for anyone who's going to go watch it, uh, watch to the very, very, very end. Right. There has been a media embargo to the point where I thought there was only one minute credit scene. Watch mm. to the very, very, very end. Because even the media is not allowed to mention it. Damn, that's impressive. Yeah, past the part where it's like, thanks, Georgia. Like, get all the way past that. <laughs> and at the very end, there's something. And I promise it's worth it. But absolutely spectacular. Go see it if you can. Avoid spoilers as long as you can. Just, just great. Just great. I, you don't get much more of a glowing review from Steve. That's impressive. I hate most things. <laughs> and Spider-Man No Way Home was spectacular. Anna agrees. I've got some nerd friends who are picking it apart right now, but it makes me worried that we saw different movies. Yeah. Like, how do they not like it? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Seven out of ten. Shut up. <laughs> You make a better movie. <laughs> yeah, you make a better Spider-Man film. <laughs> Spider-Man. I just want to make everyone call him Spider-Man going forward if we can. Spider-Man. Hey, hello, Spider-Man. How you doing? <laughs> so, Steve, I think uh, you have a returning segment here. The yeah. reason for the season. One of my favorite parts about doing these holiday episodes is reason for the season where I talk about things that we know from uh, the holidays, whether it be Halloween, Christmas or otherwise, uh, and talk about where they came from. Yeah. And this year is no different. I'm going to be talking about some holiday treats that we all love and their origins. <laughs> so first, let's talk about candy canes. Well, they came about in like the 1600s in Europe uh, when pulled sugar was becoming a, just a huge thing. And lore has it that there was a German choir master who was really tired of loud, fidgety children during services. <laughs> so he was like, I'm just going to give them all candy. But then when he when parents got on him about giving kids candy, he was like, oh, OK, so he had the 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 sweet maker bend them into J's, which are either supposed to be the shepherd's crook or J for Jesus. Uh, to, like get around that. parent anger, angry looks. Wow. Um, as far as official records go, though, um, the <laughs> Massachusetts Charitable Mechanic Association, uh, whose first first chairman was Paul Revere. I had an event, uh, part of which was a sweet treats contest and stick candy was mentioned mm. as one of the entries there. 
Candy canes were further recorded in literature in 1866, but flavor and color aren't mentioned, like the peppermint. Right. And then in 1882, we have a mentioned in the Babyland magazine, and it's the first mention of them being hung on Christmas trees. Oh. And in 1919, they started to be mass produced, but it was super labor intensive and about 20% of them broke during the bending process. <laughs> it wasn't until 1957 with the in- introduction of something called the Keller machine uh, that the bending became automated and they just went everywhere. Right. Suddenly you could make millions of them. I remember was like, I've never really liked candy canes by normally, but they have the, the like the fruit flavored or sour ones. Those are good. Oh, those are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of fruit and sour flavors, we got fruitcake. Ugh. Well, this dates back <laughs> to the Roman Empire. Damn. Where soldiers were provided with what essentially are energy bars made from raisins, pine nuts, pomegranates, and fortified barley mash, like beer mash. Pretty cool. Uh, then you got during the Crusades, Christians added honey and other dried fruits uh, because be, uh, and then because then after the Crusades, everyone went back home. Basically, every European country ended up with some version of fruitcake after hmm. the Crusades. Uh, and it wasn't until the 1500 to 1600s when the Americas were pumping out sugar cane. That candying the fruit became a popular preservation method, and that is when f- candied fruit got into fruitcake and really became what we know today. Ah. Uh, fruitcake, of course, has since become an infamous dessert known for never going bad. But the fact is, <laughs> is that when enough liquor in the fruitcake is fortified with it, it can stay good for years. Damn. And in 2017, at a Antarctic research base, they found a 106-year-old fruitcake And it was deemed in very good condition and quote unquote, nearly edible. And I have to mention honorable mention here that Steve and I, every year in chorus growing up, had to sing a damn song about fruitcake at every single at the the holiday Christmas special chorus thing. Oh, and I just, yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't a fan. It was a crowd pleaser. (laughs) I I understand why we did it. It was a tradition. It was a tradition. Uh, And then speaking about more, more traditions, eggnog. Oh. Well, the the origins of eggnog are widely debated. Uh, Nog was an English word for really strong beer. But then there's also the noggin from Middle English, which was a little carved wooden cup used for drinking and toasts Hmm. in the late 1600s. A lot of people think it came from the medieval British drink called posset. Which was where you took milk and then purposefully curdled it with alcohol and then spiced it enough to make it to make it drinkable but this wasn't drank for fun it was made to treat colds (laughs) i guess that makes sense Uh, other think that the word originated in the americas with a mixture of slang Uh, rum was was called grog and the drink was in theory originally called egg in grog which eventually became eggnog ah gotcha uh, the first recorded confirmed use of the term eggnog, though, wasn't until 1775 in a poem and then was confirmed in print sometime in the late 1700s. Hmm. Um, so it became wildly popular in the Americas because we had all these farmers, a ton of chickens and a bunch of eggs all over the place. Uh, so while it was originally made with wine and brandy. In the Americas, wine and brandy were crazy heavily taxed, but rum, which came from the Caribbean, was cheaper and less taxed, and Uh. that's when rum came into the picture. 
and became like the traditional American eggnog. So there actually is egg in eggnog or there's typically is. Yes. Oh, I didn't really consider that there actually really was egg. And for a long time, there wasn't uh, there's egg and dairy and booze. But for a long time, dairy wasn't part of it. It was like just like a, an eggy wine mixture. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, we've got eggnog, fruitcake and candy canes, things you grew up with and love. And now you know a little bit more about them. They go back way longer than you'd think. That's right. There you go. So, John, what are we talking about for our main segment? So we decided to find a Christmas movie we could talk about that neither of us had seen yet. And right out of the, the gate, this uh, preview came out of this movie called 8-Bit Christmas. And we're like, oh, it's mixing things like nerdy things with Christmas. That's perfect for a play on nerds. So it was on HBO Max, I believe. Yeah, um, that's where I found it. Starring uh, Neil Patrick Harris. And it was a little fun romp. And we're going to talk about it. So, yeah. So, Jaron, what were before we get into the summary, what were your general impressions? Um, from the it's fun from the preview, it made it seem more like it would be more adult, not an adult adult, but like for like more adult audiences, funny jokes, kind of like a lot of uh, rough humor. But no, it was actually a very family film. Um, yes, agreed. And very adorable. Uh, I the whole time I just had a little smile on my face. It was really cute. And it was also nostalgic because a lot of it's set in the 80s. It's flashing back, which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, so it just. It felt very comfortable, a lot of tropes in it, but still it was just some um, and great actors. And uh, yeah. What about you? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Great nostalgia factor, mm-hmm. despite the fact that the the main character, the protagonist is probably 10 years older than us. Right. Realistically. So it's not really our generation, but like my brothers, like this whole time I thought about my older brother. Yeah. Generation adjacent, basically. Yeah. Generation adjacent. Um. Though still highly relatable, I like that there's a lot of play on like what your perception at that age is, yeah, versus reality. A lot of that still holds true. Um, and overall, uh, very funny and something that I would be happy to watch with my kids. And it's, it would be fun for adults too. And um, there's fantastical elements sometimes when it's all being told through a flashback. So if the, the guy corrects his narration sometimes, so like some things will change, it'll pop into existence in his flashback because he's yeah, changing the, the story. Uh, safety goggles and helmets. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, we always wore helmets in the eighties and it pops on his head. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit about what happened in the movie uh, and break it down. Yeah. Let's do it. So a man is trying to cheer up his bored daughter. They're going to visit grandma for the holidays. Uh, and he decides to regale her with the story of the, the Christmas. He got a Nintendo. And she really just wants to talk on her phone or use his phone to chat and, and go on TikTok probably. But he's like, no, no, let's just take some time together. Uh, yeah. We, we flash back to the eighties where we see him as a middle schooler. He's riding his bike. That's where we get the, were you wearing a helmet? Yes. We always wore helmets. Totally. <laughs> Uh, he eagerly rides to a local rich kid's house because the rich kid is the one person in town that has a Nintendo. Uh, we get to meet this motley gang of his friends, sort of a la the Sandlot. Uh, and the rich kid only lets 10 kids into play each day. So it's a big deal to get into this rich kid's house to play, to play Nintendo. Uh, his mother is a like thrifty homemaker and teacher. His dad's a haphazard carpenter, and neither of them are super keen on playing for a Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, under the guise that it's doing weird things to kids in Japan. And his dad's like, you should be going outside more. The thing will melt your brain. <laughs> Even then, they were scapegoating 
video games. Right. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the dad inevitably declares there'll be no Nintendo in my house. No. Uh, next day at school, he's downtrodden. We meet the class bully Jagorski. <laughs> this kid who plays Jagorski, I've seen him in a, in a handful of things recently, and he always plays like the big jackass <laughs> giant kid in everything he is in. That is the role he plays. Hey, know your role, man. Just go with it. <laughs> uh, they're playing King of the Mountain. I love how he's just dominating, and it looks like they're running up this huge mountain of snow, and they pull back, and it's like, you know, like a a 10 foot hill of snow. <laughs> Once again, just playing that perception at that age versus reality. Right. It, it reminded me a lot of these early scenes of diary of a wimpy kid. Um, if you guys have kids out there around middle school age, you might know about it. Cause I narrated those books for a certain uh, demographic. And it, a lot of these stories are straight from that, like the shoes, like not wearing your water, your waterproof shoes and the kid, the King in the hill and the mountain playing in the snow is that it? Cause they're all middle school age ish. And it's, it was a lot like that. Those books. And Dragorski ends up being the the kind of antagonist, sort of. Yeah, at least a side antagonist. Yeah. Uh, we then learned that the rich kid got a power glove. Oh yeah. And so everyone doubles down on wanting to go over. The kid ends up literally breaking into the rich kid's house to play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then one of the one of the people there challenges him, and basically the realization is that the power glove sucks. Which is funny because in history it really suck. it did suck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the rich kid loses it because he loses uh, with the power glove and in a fit of rage destroys the TV and kills his dog or nearly kills his dog. <laughs> the TV falls right in his dog. Falls on this little tiny dog. Uh, the next day at recess, everyone's sad because the only Nintendo is gone. But then it's revealed that the scout troop, the first place prize for the wreath drive is a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So all of them set out to sell as many wreaths as they can. Uh, so he has mild success and then his little sister and him make an agreement where she's going to give him a line on a bunch of wreaths to sell, <laughs> but he has to help her get the cabbage patch doll that she wants with the red hair and the freckles, red hair and the freckles. And then she basically lets on old people love buying things from young people. You should go to a nursing home. <laughs> she's not wrong. <laughs> so then he goes, sells a bunch of wreaths at the nursing, nursing home really cleans up. Uh, and then, then later on, they go on a shopping trip to the mall, which his dad hates. <laughs> uh, he's left in charge of his sister, but loses her because he is busy playing Nintendo. His father then realizes that he's lost his retainer. And this leads to like a very funny chase scene between him and his father, where he's trying to find his retainer before his father <laughs> presumably beats his ass. Which in the process, he punches a man playing an elf in the face and knocks him over the escalator. I'm like, I hope that's part of the fantastical element that that didn't really happen because he just killed that man. He just killed that man. Uh, So then he has to go with his father to a late night shady cabbage patch doll deal under a bridge. That was really funny. (laughs) uh, Where the boy holds up his end of the bargain and tries to help his sister get a doll. And that's the guy, Um, uh, David Cross, who was uh, cross plays the shady, shady cabbage patch dealer. It was great. Uh, following this, we get the scout award ceremony where everyone where where it's revealed that the, the main kid, Jake wins, but that they switched out the prize. It's no longer a Nintendo. It's an encyclopedia set <laughs> and it's pissed. And it turns out the rich kid's father is a doctor and basically talked to all the other parents about how Nintendo is the devil. <laughs> right. They're all protesting it now. Uh, 
So then him and the other kids decide to set up like an Ocean Eleven style heist where the kids are going to pull together money to then secretly buy a Nintendo on an upcoming school field trip downtown. Very complex. Uh, a kid who has been talked about lactose intolerant is going to drink milk and then throw up everywhere to buy him time <laughs> uh, to go and buy this thing and get back to the bus. Big day comes, but the bully steals the money. Jugorski steals the money. Jake stands up to him, gets the money back. Kid forces himself to be sick, and he makes his way into the department store. It's a close call, but he does buy the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But on his way back, he slips on an icy patch that was set up in Act One. Yeah. Nintendo goes flying and is run over by the school bus that has now left him behind. <laughs> he is grief stricken. The cabbage patch salesman, for whatever reason, from earlier spots him and helps him get home or back to the field trip. Not creepy at all. And uh, we get to see him have an uneventful Christmas morning. Yeah. Where he gets bookends with baseballs on them. And then he thinks he's getting a Nintendo from his uncle because it's in a package the same size as Nintendo. But he opens it and it's a Japanese light bright. Japanese light bright. (laughs) That night, they're about to head up to their grandparents. And his dad says that he has to go out and shovel the dog poop. And make sure to get the stuff behind the shed this time. He goes out to find that behind the shed where his father has been telling him to avoid the whole movie. His father built him a secret treehouse. It's a beautiful treehouse. Beautiful treehouse. Uh, and that he inadvertently earlier in the film helped to build part of it. Mm-hmm. So he goes out and checks it out. He's in wonder. He, him, he carves his initials next to his dad's for the first time ever. And this is where that's where Jake reveals that that he didn't get a Nintendo that Christmas. Mm-hmm. He had to earn it later working as a caddy. <laughs> and this is maybe my favorite sequel setup ever that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. In anything, because now we get the story of him and his friends working as caddies. Oh, <laughs> at a country club to earn a Nintendo. That's true. I didn't think about that. It's the most genius sequel setup I've ever seen. It wouldn't, be, it. it wouldn't be Christmas themed necessarily, but it'd be still work. Oh, yeah. It'd be a great summer film. Then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he reveals that really the gift he got that year was that was the year that him and his dad found their thing, which was building stuff together. We get a quick pan around the house with older Jake with him and his dad's initials on those sorts of things. And that's where we get the reveal that this is the first Christmas without his dad. Yeah. His disgusting, like Chicago Bears cup or whatever it is, sits <laughs> yeah. unattended at the end. Uh, and that that is really what the story has been about. Was was not him getting a Nintendo, but him finding this common ground with his father. And in doing so, telling this whole story that his daughter has come around and she puts less importance on her phone and or getting a phone and just realizes, you know, family is important. You know, it's a nice little Christmas message for the whole family. But not told, yeah. not told in too dumb of a way. Like it was done pretty well, I think. Oh yeah, I mean, I didn't see it coming. Like I was fully expecting. Like, well, they have to get the Nintendo. That being said, I do feel like there was some misdirect mm-hmm. in that. Like he literally said, "This is the story of how I got my Nintendo." Yeah, that's true. And it was like, oh, but he knew he was what lying. Well, she does. It does. It does come where she's like, I thought your parents wouldn't let you have video games as a kid because they'd see the Nintendo for the first time in the in the grandparents house. And he's like, well, it's not entirely true. It is true. But she's like, so she's kind of pulling it out of him. Well, why do you have Nintendo then? He's like, well, 
let me tell you a story about that. So it kind of it kind of works. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's just a, a solid Christmas entry. It's inoffensive, but uh, cute and funny at parts. And I love Neil Patrick Harris and stuff. And he did great. The guy who plays the dad. I can't remember his name, but he's in uh, Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. That's right. He's been in tons of things our whole lives. So he's he's just a fun, good actor. Um, the mom did a fantastic job. The kids were fun. I thought we could have gotten a little more development on some of the kids. It's like there's one too many of the kids. Uh, that, that that's my critique as well. Is I feel like this movie in a few ways felt just short of being like a true classic. Yeah. And one of the ways it fell short was that you had this whole cavalcade of kids. It's like Motley crew and some of them paid off, Mm -hmm. but some of them didn't. So you have the kid who's a huge liar. He always does these tall tales, but then late in, he has to make a call and distract the moms of the series of lies. So his ability to lie pays off. There's the kid who's lactose intolerant and kind of gets made fun of for it. But then him being able to throw up nonstop after drinking a carton of milk (laughs) pays off, pays off. But then there's like the brother and sister team that didn't really do much. His best friend who has three lines. Yeah. The like the the kid who has like a rough, like rough language and is allowed to see our films. He had like three lines. That was it. And like, but (laughs) and and he didn't pay off. The weird nerdy kid kind of paid off because he helped him overcome the bully. Um, right, but I think it could have even been better paid off if the weird nerdy kid is the one that ultimately got the money back. But they could have merged like four of those characters into two characters, and it would have been fine. Right. So and more solid. And I think that had there been more of those payoffs, and had more of this, that it could have fallen into this realm of like absolute classic. But like there, there was no payoff for his girl's boots. Oh well, they briefly moved over that where the girl on the bus said she had the same boots as him. And then she mentions at the end, that's his wife. Right. right. But like in the story, right. They didn't actually was, matter that much. <laughs> right, right. Like, but if there had been something that worked in his advantage because he finally wore these stupid boots, his mom got him. Yeah. It would that's have true. Taken it to that next level. Cause they made and it so seem like it was going to be important to then It really wasn't right. So I just think that in those respects, there were promises made with no payoff. And that is what kept this movie from being up there with like elf and Rudolph or Christmas story or Christmas story. Like kept like why this will fall to the wayside and it will not be considered a Christmas classic 10 years from now. It'll be like one that you could be like, but oh, it, yeah, we can watch that one. But it was so close. Yeah, I agree. It had almost had, it had the right heart and right feeling, but it just need to be tightened up some more. And like, I don't know, they could have done it with a more like rewrite pass or something. But yeah, so I guess that comes the end of that. And that brings us to... If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so we have Radical Recommends back in force. And this time, Jarman's going to get some recommendations. And uh, just a a couple TV shows to throw out there. You guys don't have enough TV shows to watch, right? You need more. Yeah. (laughs) So one, I... There's many of you out there listening. I say many because I know some of the people who listen to this podcast that that do or did watch the CW universe uh, hero shows. And I think a lot of us and a lot of fans in general of those shows have kind of fallen off to the wayside because we've eventually Arrow is canceled uh, uh, or had its last season. Black Lightning just had its last season. Supergirl's having its last season. All the big ones are kind of fading away and some new ones are popping up, but they're not doing as well, I don't think, as the others. But one 
that I've still stuck with all this time is, um, oh my God, now I'm forgetting the name of it. Not League of something. Uh, oh God. W- what's it called? I'm putting a flag in. Legends of Tomorrow? Thank you. <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow. So yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. I'll leave that in. Why not? Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it, this show has had ups and downs. And I think actually its worst season was probably its first season when it was kind of setting up and trying to figure out what the hell they were going to do. And they were still kind of serious and more feeling like the arrow or something, which was all dark. Now they've gone totally bonkers, funny, silly, ridiculous. And it's such a breath of fresh air because before in the Arrowverse shows, we had the Flash, which was the lighthearted one that was kind of fun to watch. And it was the silly foil to the Arrow being super serious like Batman. And then the Flash could be more silly and uplifting. But now the Flash has gotten so brooding and just like every episode, he's guilty feeling and he can't do enough. And he's never going to be able to save everybody. But now Legends of Tomorrow is so silly and fun and a great cast of characters and actors. And they jump all over time periods and different costumes and meet historical figures. It's just it's great. It's just really fun and enjoyable. And so I finished what's available now and went back to the Flash that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm like, this is so much boring in comparison. So anyways, I'm recommending Legends of Tomorrow. If you don't have to watch any other CW show to follow it along, because it's completely in its own little world. Um, but yeah, so that's one big recommendation. And the other is uh, what we do in the shadows, the TV show. If I hadn't recommended it already, I will again, because we're kind of finishing it. My girlfriend and I catching up to the season three. Did you watch any of the TV show, Steve? Uh, we So I just caught a, a deal, like a holiday deal, I think on Black Friday for a year of Hulu with ads. Oh, gotcha. And so I bought that for like 12 bucks or something like that. And so because of that, we've been catching up on a lot of TV shows, and one of them is what we do in the shadows. We're somewhere in the middle of season two. Okay, that's where we're at pretty much. We're like towards the end of season two. Um, but, and then, but human form. <laughs> I love it so much. He doesn't have the address. I don't have the address. <laughs> that guy. I love that actor so much. And I'm blanking on his Matt name. Barry. Yeah. Matt Barry. Really, and yeah. he's in so many great British shows. Um, Toast of London is one of my favorite shows that he's in. Toast I, of London is when you introduced <sighs> me to it. I really enjoy. Oh, and Old to Play on Nerds, I've recommended this show. I just can't stop laughing at that damn show. He is so hilarious. His his times, whatever voiceover stuff he's doing for that one production company with those young yes. jackasses is always the highlight of every single episode. It's usually at the very beginning of the episode. He's starting off in a voiceover booth, and he's like, we want you to say the word yes. And he's like, Yes. They're like, no, say it, say it more affirmative. Or will they say, like, say it different ways or something? Yeah, they had him through saying it different ways or saying it angrily or <laughs> they like over direct him in these very simple phrases. So finally he gets pissed off. He's like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so funny. Anyways, that's what I recommend right there. So check out those things if you can. And that will bring us to our next segment. We got some trailer reviews, Steve, don't we? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, so this week we picked two quick ones because we're not going to play them like we used to because I'm, I'm old. I don't have time for that anymore. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. First one we're going to talk about is Sonic the Hedgehog 2, a sequel to the mildly successful Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> uh, uh, it was the most successful movie of 2020, my friend. That's not saying a lot. <laughs> because of the pandemic. <laughs> right. Most successful movie of 2020 any other year. <laughs> not going to happen. No. <laughs> um, Jim Carrey is back now as a full-blown Dr. Robotnik. 
who somehow made it back from whatever land he was banished to in the last one. Yeah. Sonic is trying to live quietly, but of course getting into trouble. And uh, then there's the reveal that Robotnik is after some green gem. That's like the greatest power source of all time. And Knuckles is there, played by, played by Idris Elba. But an adorable uh, Tails uh, comes through a portal to now help Sonic. And I think their pairing looks pretty adorable, though. I laughed at one of those parts. Yeah. Uh, yes. So Tails coming is great. It looks like it's just a whole movie about fan service. Yeah. A lot of the sound effects came back. The original sound effects in the trailer. Um, you see him running up the walls, the, 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 the speed up sound effect they have from the games. It all clicked in my brain immediately as soon as I heard it. So it's hitting my fan service buttons pretty hard. Uh, I will not see this in theaters. No, not in theaters. I will wait until it's available on like HBO or something. For sure. Uh, so I think my rating for this one is uh, two Gary Busey's fighting over who has to play tails on Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Because if Sonic goes off the map, then Tails just dies and comes back. Like mm. Both people know that Sonic is the main character. Right. So that Gary Busey's pissed that doesn't want to play Tails. <laughs> well, I'll play it. My, my review. But he can fly. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> my review is one Raul Julia looking over his shoulder when someone mentions Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and goes, oh, that's nice. And turning it back around. Oh, they made another one. <laughs> okay. He's nonplussed. He's like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what's the our other trailer, movie? The next trailer, Fantastic Beasts 3, The Secrets of Dumbledore. The Secrets of Nim. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Yeah. The, they've got to stop Grindelwald, who's been recast because Johnny Depp is out, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Wizarding War is continuing, and they get to go to Hogwarts. <laughs> and this time, the Muggle gets a wand. For some reason. And <laughs> wh why? <laughs> why, God, why? And when will it end? <laughs> it won't end as long as there's money to be had. But um, I don't know. It feels like this should, like, why is this a Fantastic Beasts film? Why can't they just, why couldn't someone admit they, they wanted to make more movies in the Harry Potter universe and just decide to do them well? Yeah, that's, I think we said this back when the second one came out. We talked about how it doesn't need to be called Fantastic Beasts. The first one could have been Fantastic Beasts. That was cool. I actually enjoyed that film. It was very interesting and about him. It was about the Scalamander guy or whatever his name is. Yeah. And then have the next movie be the, the Trials of Grindelwald, be a totally different movie. Same, you can have some of the same characters return and stuff, but just keep it in universe. Make your own little MCU of Potterverse. Uh, but because is, this, we have to pretend that this side character who, who takes care of magical beasts is somehow still the central character, despite the fact that Dumbledore's name is literally in the title of the film now. And he's much more important than Newt's commander. Yeah, I don't. It, why? God, Why? <laughs> Miss Rowling, why did you let them do this? 
Well, that's the other problem, too, is a lot of the fan base is falling off or protesting the books because of all her transphobic comments and turf comments and stuff like that. She's just she doubled down on them instead of apologizing. And so it's like, ah, great. So we can't even like this anymore because this woman's terrible. So uh, and she's not obviously probably not a terrible woman all around, but she's just said dumb things and then didn't even apologize for them. So it's just like, what is she doing? I guess she doesn't care because she's a billionaire. So what does she care? You know, take it or leave it at this point. So for this one, I'm going to give it two Gary Buseys, each wearing children's sized Harry Potter costumes, <laughs> pointing fake wands at each other and going, Avada Kedavra, Avada Kedavra. <laughs> while Raul Julia goes, they're not real, you idiots. <sighs> I have, uh, I have once again, one Raul Julia. Um, about to buy a ticket for this and realizing what it is and then going home and watching the first Harry Potter movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's my rating. I'll just rent them. Yes. I give him a British accent by accident. That doesn't work. Yeah, I know. He wasn't, but, you know, we can dream. <laughs> he was all. very proper, you know. Very proper. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that brings us to the end of our very merry, happy Jingle Bells super stocking stuffer holiday episode huh yeah pretty much and uh we may have some more play on nerds in the future who knows we'll see yeah no promises but the one thing i will promise is that if you guys keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience we will keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts that's right again internet stay nerdy my friends Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How.